Hey, you're probably wondering where the theme music is. Well, I'll explain that in a second, but uh, let's just do this anyway. Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast. This show exists to help you build a thriving creative career. I'm your host, Danny J. Pizza. You can stay up to date with all Creative Pep Talk stuff by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it, got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you, where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. Today on the show, it is our last mess episode and I think I've said that for three episodes in a row but sometimes you're feeling it you know and uh, I'm planning I've been planning uh, an episode well no a series for um, the past couple months Um, and the past few episodes we've been exploring uh, you know the magic of the mess versus the power of a plan when it comes to your creativity. So just that idea that, you know, planning, strategy, guidelines, craft, methods, all that, that can help you have really powerful creativity. Uh, But if you don't inject some of the mess, that I think you miss out on the magic of the moment, the magic of the mess, magic of uh, just seeing what happens, you know, like accidents and, and live energy. And, uh, you know, for the past couple years, I have been trying to get better and better and better at planning episodes and executing episodes as, as, uh, as slick as I can, which, you know, slickness is maybe never my 
uh, forte per se, but I do think, um, I, you know, I've got heavier and heavier and heavier on the plan. And I think that that is mostly a good thing. But I think uh, over the past month and a half or so, uh, I just felt like I needed to kind of swing the pendulum the other way. So this is the last mess episode for this season and uh, the season of my life. There is no season of the podcast. It's just a continual, perpetual thing that happens um, week in, week out. But I thought, let's let's uh, let's go out with a bang on the mess episode and do one take, uh, like you know, no editing, no editing, no going back and cutting it up and splicing it up and stopping and starting and retakes and all that kind of jazz. Uh, one take and no music, no sound editing, nothing just to get that raw energy. And so, you know, the other thing I think is really important is like, anyway, I'm not going to do any more of that. Let's just get into it. This week, these ideas are coming off the back of chats that I had all week while at illustration, illustrate. Blah, blah, blah. No edits. Mess, right? Matt feels magic, doesn't it? Are you, are you feeling the magic of that? No. Icon Illustration Conference. Uh, and uh, I had tons of great conversations. I left feeling super inspired. Tons of thoughts in my head. And I want to just kind of... And I, and I was taking notes the whole time and kind of planning on an episode from all the stuff that was inspiring me. And I want to get it out there uh, while it's still fresh fire in my belly. So here you go. Like I said, this episode is about mess. And uh, it starts with this idea. I was talking with, um, I was doing, I did a bunch of interviews while I was in with my, uh, some of my favorite creative people and people that were really inspiring me. And uh, I'll release those out over time. But uh, one of these conversations, we got talking about the thousand true fans thing, which, you know, if you're a regular listener, you've heard this a bunch of times. Um, But if you're not, and you don't know, the thousand true fans is this idea created by Kevin Kelly, who is the co-founder of Wired Magazine. And uh, he said that these days... Because you you have access to, you know, so much of the world's population and uh, direct access. You don't need middlemen and all that kind of stuff. You don't need millions of fans to make your business work. Like, especially if you're just a, a solopreneur kind of person, all you really need is a thousand true fans. And he defines a, a true fan as someone who is willing to spend a hundred dollars on your art every year. And if you have a thousand people like that, you've got $100,000 as a salary. And if you even have 500 true fans, you've got $50,000. And for a lot of creative people um, in different circumstances, that would be a a great base salary, right? Um, And so I was talking with a, a, a friend of mine for an interview that will be released shortly. Uh, but <clears throat> we were talking about this idea of tr- thousand true fans. And uh, ultimately we said that, you know, the key to a true fan, to unlocking a true fan 
is the depth of connection. Having a connection with a person that uh, is really deep. And I was just incredibly inspired by this idea of a meaningful connection, okay? Versus them being impressed with you. I think often, you know, this question, would you rather be feared or loved? And I always kind of thought, how ridiculous is that question? Like, what kind of evil person wants to be feared? But I think if you maybe use a different word that means the same thing, like revered, uh, then you start getting somewhere because, you know, how many of us would want to go to a conference and, or go, you know, be, or online have people afraid to talk to us because they're so impressed because they're so like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you. Your art is so amazing. You know, and that's only a degree or away from fear. Uh, but do we really want a true connection? Because a connection costs something. A con- in order to try to make a connection, it's going to require real vulnerability. And uh, that gets messy, right? That, that's tricky. That's tough. You have to be seen to make a real connection. And uh, in this episode, I just want to go through a handful of ideas uh, that kind of have moved me over the past week about deepening the connection with your audience and and how that is the key to your thousand true fans. Uh, Hit it from a few different angles and uh, wrap it up. Okay. So the first thing I want to talk about is originality versus authenticity. So this one comes from writer uh, Elizabeth Gilbert. She wrote Eat, Pray, Love, and uh, Big Magic, which is a book about creativity. And she's done TED Talks, a really famous TED Talk about creativity. You should go check it out. And this one, honestly, I don't really have that much to add to. I'm literally just passing it on because I find it so inspiring and it relevant to our conversation here today. And it's uh, this idea. Liz Gilbert said that that she finds original creativity really impressive, but she finds authentic creativity really moving. And if we're trying to get to our true fans, if we're trying to, blah, 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 that's some blah, blah for you. Uh, raw energy <laughs> just coming out. Um, but if we're trying, by the way, why are we trying to get 1,000 true fans? Well, we're under the understanding that, um, you know, I mean, part of it for me is that that thousand true fans then acts as a mustard seed for even bigger growth. And if you're in sh- and, and shooting for wide connection is really fuzzy and hard to do, but shooting for uh, a specific connection with a really clear target is actually pretty doable. And also having a connection with 500 people is pretty doable. It's, it's, a, it's a reasonable goal with the fantastic fulfilling outcome and you know having trying to get a million fans is probably not going to happen all of the odds are stacked against you this the the probability says it's not going to happen and so you know that those are some of the reasons why uh, i encourage you to go for the thousand true fans thing but um i think that there is uh there's some uh 
there's a secret unlocked in this with Liz Gilbert's idea that originality is impressive, but authenticity is meaningful. Uh, and, and I think that um, talking about originality and creativity is such a tricky job because it's such a gray word. And actually, you know, one of the talks that I listened to was by uh, someone who's kind of speaking to copyright and trade dress, uh, you know, the legality of originality uh, <laughs> and creativity. The legality, what, what did I say? <laughs> the legality, anyway, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. What, uh, what kind of unoriginal, uh, work is illegal. You know, when you're copying, what's a copy and what's an influence? And it's uh, even to the law, even to uh, an expert, it is gray. It's hard, You can't really say. And, and usually it comes down to, well, you know it when you see it. What does that mean? That's a whole other thing. And, uh, and I think I talk to tons of creative, creative people. I talked to one person in particular over the weekend who had all this anxiety about making original work. And it just sounds like there are a lot of people that uh, making original work is so important to them that they'd rather not make anything at all uh, in fear of, you know, making something too derivative. First of all, that just breaks my heart because I just think that's crazy. I also think it just completely misunderstands how creativity works. And uh, all that aside, <clears throat> I think that uh, there is real tactic, real power in embracing this idea of uh, making authentic work. And, and I think if we're going to speak to authentic work, we should talk about Jim Jarmusch's uh, statement. He was He's like a famous artsy director guy, I guess. And uh, he said that when it comes to originality in your work, you shouldn't really get caught up on that too much. You should kind of think about it like, uh, don't get so worried about whether your work, your, your work is completely original or, uh, or get caught up on whether your work is too influenced by your favorite artist, but make sure that you only take from influences that authentically connect to your spirit. Like the thing you don't want to do, it, the real uh, tragedy is to be influenced by people that don't really mean anything to you. You know, artwork that you think you allow to seep into your influences just because it's critically acclaimed or you think it's going to be popular. Like that is a way bigger offense than uh, being a little too influenced by something that moves your spirit, right? Uh, and so the, the idea here is instead of, then Paul Rand, famous graphic designer, godfather of, you know, current modern graphic, American graphic design, probably. Uh, <laughs> I did so many qualifiers there to make sure that no, I would be above reproach because I'm not a design expert and I figured, I know some of you guys are. So you're like, wait a second. No, he's not the godfather of design, maybe American design. And then I added a probably at the end of that. Uh, but, <laughs> but Paul Rand said, don't try to be original, just try to be good. Now, I get it, guys. I don't like it when someone blatantly, blatantly rips me off. I definitely think it's outrageously in the wrong for a 
corporation to come along and lift my design. Um, I wouldn't be cool with that. That's not, I'm not talking about that. That's one of the things that happens. You start talking about gray area. Everybody wants to make it binary. Everybody wants to say it's either totally okay to rip off anything at all times in any fashion, or it's completely unacceptable to have any level of influence. Um, and I think actually, uh, the visual world, it leans more towards, it's not okay to have any influence ever. And I think that's bogus and I'm not into it, but I think that this Les Gilbert quote gets to uh, the heart of something really important to getting to your true 1000 true fans. And that is lean towards authenticity away from originality. Uh, and I think uh, the whole, this whole, the thread of the whole episode is how to get your tr thousand true fans. And it means letting go of being impressive and leaning in to making work that matters. Okay, so that's number one. Number two is quit trying to craft the perfect personal brand and try to create a brand that's deeply personal. So instead of thinking personal brand, think deeply personal brand. I think uh, one of the things that we really hate about this idea of personal brand is that, uh, is that it sounds like crafting a persona, which we know inherently is maybe unhealthy, kind of, um, it's probably something that you're going to talk to your therapist about, like this person that you have had to pretend to be to please your mommy, um, that kind of thing. Hold on a second. Just taking a little drink. Um, you know, <laughs> and actually, dudes and dudettes and everyone else, I <laughs> I am doing this messy episode partially to, uh, I want to connect with you. I want it to be deeply personal. I want to show you behind the curtain. I want to be, uh, I want you to feel like the ball is in play when I'm doing these episodes. I, that's, I love, you know, I don't ever want to get, you know, I plan in advance and I record stuff in advance. I have interviews in advance. I do all kinds of things, strategy, planning, blah, 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 blah. But, I don't want to get so stuck into that that we lose the magic of the moment, that we lose this depth of connection with each other. And, and it's really important to me, and that's why I'm doing this weird episode, but this is what I'm trying to communicate to you, okay? When you think about personal brand, first of all, in order to get your thousand true fans, I would say uh, if you want to play it safe if in terms of... Um, take a road that is likely to get you where you want to go. I would say don't try to be the exception to the rule that that where you are a successful artist but don't share anything about who you are. Like, you know, Banksy, he's one in a million, right? Um, these people that you never see their face, you never hear their story. Literally, we think about those people you know, often I think we compare ourselves to the 1% of thriving creatives and try to follow that path, but that path is um, unfollowable. And, uh, and, and I think more often than not, even through history, that if you look back, the story of the creative person is as important as their art. I was hanging out uh, all week with my uh, Belgian friend, uh, Jeremy Clays, and uh, he's a past student of mine, 
and uh, we he came and stay with stayed with me and went to Icon and he got to do a little six minute talk that was really hilarious and funny and um, anyway he was we were talking about how drawing doesn't really matter to either of us honestly we're not crazy drawing maniacs that just want to draw all the time drawings more of like what we grew up doing and it's the method it's the uh it's the medium in which we can do work that matters to us and it's more deeply connected to who we are our point of view and and our why as a person and the drawing is much more the what and i think that if you can kind of disconnect yourself you know i think People can take that too far. The other opposite side of that is like, and I hope you, man, I hope you, I hope you feel that raw energy that's coming at you right now from, from this uh, sprawling tangential episode. Um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, oh, goodness. Um, but <laughs> I, I'm so embarrassed of myself here. Anyway, uh, that, that uh, okay, let me get back on track talking about Jeremy Clay's. Oh, I was just talking about how if you want to uh, make deeply personal connections with creative people or, or with your audience, rather, uh, you should be changing how you think about your art. You know, I think we think that art is everything, you know, the art is everything and the artist is secondary or, you know, not really part of the equation. And yeah, I think right now more than ever, we're facing the facts that maybe that's not true. You know, a big thing that's going around in the creative community is this idea of, can you separate the art from the artist? And, uh, I just watched this special with, uh, stand-up comedian Hannah Gadsby and I think it, it was all kinds of things. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to go into a giant review of this, but I was deeply uh, moved in, and kind of interested by this idea of art versus uh, the artist. Can you separate the art versus the artist? And she was talking about Picasso and all this kind of stuff. And I think that now more than ever, we have kind of said that maybe you can separate the art from the artist, but it's not easy. It's not an easy thing. And I think your story and your, your, which AKA your personal brand, what everything that goes around that, that circulates, that gravitates, that orbits your art is as important as the art itself. And the art is super important, obviously being good at your craft and all that stuff, super important. Uh, you know, people aren't going to be interested in your creative story if they're not interested in your creativity, but ultimately if you want to make a depth of connection, you know, a lot of times I can't get into a band unless I've seen them, you know, a video of them playing, you know, kind of what they, what they look like, what their story is, where they're coming from, the context of what's happening, what their influences are, uh, what their ideas are. Like all of those things influence my ability to have a depth of connection with the creatives, um, that I'm into. And I think that, uh, that means that means uh, having the audacity, having the, the bravery to allow yourself to be seen and not to hide behind your art. And that can mean a lot of things. It doesn't mean having a million selfies on your Instagram, but it does mean uh, letting go of 
just trying to impress people with your creativity and instead trying to create a meaningful connection by putting yourself out there. And so, okay, that's number two, personal brand versus a deeply personal brand. Uh, And I think hopefully also that will help you kind of rethink what you think about when you think about personal brand because I think that's a stumbling block for a lot of people. We know we need it. We don't really know what that looks like. Okay, so only got a little bit more stuff to talk to you about. Number three, one man band versus an actual band. And uh, my alarm's going off right now. It's early morning. I forgot to shut my alarm off. Okay. (laughs) This is the behind the scenes episode. By the way, if this is the first episode you've ever heard, you might want to go take a taste of the other 190 episodes that have uh, way more production and way slicker stuff. You know, (laughs) anyway. So, one man band versus the personal The personal band. Instead of personal brand, that's not what I meant. Let's take that again. Three, the one-man band versus an actual band. You know, I think I personally have a hard time letting anybody help me. You know, I don't want... When I make an Ikea piece of furniture, when I build it up, they usually have this little comic at the beginning of their instructions that shows one person busting stuff, breaking stuff, um trying to put their thing together and then two people really happily enjoying each other's company having a good old time putting together a piece of ikea furniture and uh every time i see that comic i think ha no way am i helping (laughs) am i letting someone help me build up this ikea furniture i'm an introvert i like to do things alone i don't want it bugs me you know having to talk the whole time you're trying to do this annoying task and you know, I'm like, look, I don't need anybody. Uh, and I proceed to build up the Ikea furniture alone, breaking stuff. And I just pretty much, I'm planning to do that for the rest of my life. Um, the amount of Ikea furniture that I've broken that way is outrageous. But (laughs) this is my point. Uh, you know, I want to do everything alone. Uh, I want to do, uh, partially because it's, I'm an introvert and that, you know, whatever, but also because I don't want to put anyone else out because I don't want to ask for help, you know, uh, also because I want all the credit because I want to be the lone genius, if you will. And, you know, Austin Kleon talk, you know, steal like an artist guy talks about this all the time that we really, really need to get rid of this toxic mythology around the lone genius because it's bull. And, you know, even recently, uh, I saw this, music video from a creative person and I was so like shocked and blown away and I was deeply impressed to the point of just awe of like what the heck where did this come from where what is going on and then like three weeks later this big scandal of this person ripped that person off and blip 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 do 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 that song that's the song you hear on the internet sometimes it's called the copycat song um where they're tearing down you know they uh again back to my friend Jeremy he said there's this um, 
this French saying, which I don't even remember what it is, but it's basically they love to clap on the rise and then tear you down. We have it too, you know. Uh, we love to... Um, whatever, you know what I mean. We like to watch this lone individual rise to the top and then tear him to shreds, right? And I think a lot of that comes from this toxic mythology of the lone genius, meaning someone who, a self-made creative person that's kind of pulling creativity from the other side of the uh, dimensional universe. And we love that. We love to think of creativity like that. But the the facts basically just say that's just not the way it is. People need help. You know, uh, we're standing on the shoulders of giants, so to speak, at the very least. Let alone, we need to we need collaborators. And uh, even while I was at Icon, you know, building, a, I did a little. Um, from time to time, when I'm slinging my merch, if you will, selling the creative pep talk kit, I will go set up this Charlie Brown inspired. Uh, stall. It's the Lucy five cents for psychiatric help stall, uh, except it's five cents for a creative pep talk and I'm selling my stuff, but it's kind of elaborate um, in a way, a bunch of pieces and stuff. And I, I couldn't do it alone. And actually on the way in, I dropped like half of it and crashed into this thing and made a ton of noise and everyone in the whole place looked over at me like I was an idiot and I was kind of being an idiot and you know why because I didn't want to ask anybody for help and uh, I, I think there's okay reasons for that and there's deeply seated kind of issues with that of like I don't want anybody to help me and uh, when I was putting stuff away and, and all that kind of stuff I ended up swallowing my pride getting some friends to help out they were more than happy to help out like they were falling over themselves to be kind to someone that ha they have a deep connection with a friend and uh and i was inspired by that and i just realized that like i have this idea wait before i go that way let me tell it to you this way i want to tell you something about you and uh it's deeply encouraging and it's this you are deeply deficient as a human. <laughs> you are uh, a mess. Just to be uh, clear in this messy episode, you have got, you are lacking <laughs> in massive ways. And I hope that you take this little bit of audio and cut it out and, and use it as a, you know, use it as a um, a case against me or or a uh, you know say this is what you're going to hear on creative pep talk if you want to get jazzed about your creative work check out this little ditty from andy j pizza you are lacking in a serious way as a human <laughs> uh, <laughs> and here's what i mean by that okay i i always thought i've always felt my whole life, actually, that I am seriously lacking as a human, and I've tried to figure out ways of convincing people that I'm not, you know, trying to, uh, you know, and this is where imposter syndrome comes for me, I'm sure it comes from a lot, for a lot of people. We know we're seriously lacking, but we don't want anybody else to find out. And actually, when I was setting up my booth, I was feeling deeply insecure, like, 
oh man, I just dropped all that crap and oh my gosh, I'm trying to put this thing up and I was again trying to build up my, the, my backing board by myself and it was falling over and the guy next to me was like, do you want me to hold something? I'm like, no, forget it. And it's almost like falling on him because I'm so embarrassed that I can't do this thing by myself and I'm making a mess and I'm gonna look like a friggin' fool that can't do anything. And uh, it's these basic things that seems like anybody should have known how to plan and do this thing in such a way where they didn't need anyone else's help. Uh, and, uh, and while I was there, by the end of the conference, I had this kind of personal revelation and it, it was that, <laughs> that Andy, you are seriously lacking, but that's perfectly fine because that is what it is to be a human, that the brilliance of humanity the brilliance of being a human is that we are social animals and that we are not meant to be self-sufficient. And when you see someone who seems completely self-sufficient, one of the highest kind of compliments you can pay to that person is, wow, really impressive. And it's kind of like a one-man band. Like you see a one-man band and they're maybe doing loops and other recordings and they've got one hand doing the drum and they've got another hand playing the bass and their foot is playing the guitar and you're like, whoa, this thing is freaking crazy. So impressive. But I've never seen a one-man band and bawled my eyes out. You know, just by how moved I was by the music. Now, I think that kind of creativity happens when there's chemistry when there's, you know, when it's about authentic influence from, from the people that moved them, when there's maybe even a connection between them and the other bandmates, you know, those are the moments. I remember uh, watching someone play this band, all of these things happening at the same different time, you know, watching Sigur Rós or watching Sufjan Stevens and tears in my eyes from just this moment of connection and I think that we're not meant to be one-man bands. I think we're meant to be part of a symphony. And you know, I couldn't do this podcast without the help of my wife. She's a constant soundboard. She she uh, she helps me manage my shop, and and she helps me uh, come up with ideas. And she's she's helps me raise my kids, and it's a holistic thing. And I couldn't do this without my friends that I call up and say, hey, I have an idea. Is this any good? Oh, no, it's terrible as it's coming out of my mouth. Thank you. All right, that's not, that's not good. And come up with something totally new or throw it off them and get a new spin on it. Like I couldn't do anything that I do alone. And, uh, and, and for me this week, the revelation was, that's great. That's fantastic that I am deeply lacking. And I'm not kidding. I'm not just being self-deprecating. I'm telling you, I am deeply lacking in many, many areas. But I don't think that it's, that to get to my thousand true fans, that I have to be proficient in bass, guitar, drums, violin, sound machine, DJ, Side note, I was thinking about what if uh, what if Mr. Han, the DJ from Linkin Park, joined Fleet Foxes 
as a way to innovate things. The, the DJ as part of the band, the band member needs to come back. Anyway, <laughs> I'm kidding. But uh, <laughs> I don't need to be the DJ, the rapper, the screamer. Why is my reference point Linkin Park right now? Um, <laughs> the, the guitar player. I don't need to be proficient in all those things. I need to own my own proficiency, my own talent, my own gifting, my own instrument, and, and just go all in. And so maybe in your creative career, maybe you need to let people help you out. Maybe you need an agent. Maybe you need a rep. Maybe you need a friend to give you a, 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 you know, a connection, a, net, a network, um, a contact. Maybe you need someone to help you, give you some feedback. Maybe you need to create a partnership instead of being solo. Like maybe this moment right now on this podcast is the thing that you need to stop what you're doing. Listen up. I'm talking to you. Maybe you need somebody else to help you. Stop right now and ask yourself, in what ways could I benefit from someone else's help? And if you need any more convincing, go watch the Lego Batman movie. That's what the whole dang movie's about, is that Batman's so self-sufficient. He's super awesome, but he's also super lonely, and he ultimately can't save the... I don't want to ruin it. I, I don't want to ruin it. Okay. Too, I've said too much. I know that everyone's worried about the spoilers of the Lego Batman movie that came out two years ago. Anyway, <laughs> there you go. So don't be a one-man band. Quit trying to be impressive and embrace the mess. So last thing I want to leave you with is uh, while I was hanging out with all these people, um, something that was like weighing on my mind that kind of came up in a bunch of different conversations was that, uh, well, we, we started talking about podcasting which happens if you're a podcaster, you're going to get a lot of people saying, what kind of podcast do you listen to? Hold on a second. I'm going to take one drink and then we're going to do this last little segment. Uh, what kind of podcast do you listen to? And uh, ultimately, we have many podcasts in common. We listen to the same few, uh, a few of the same podcasts. And uh, we get talking about the podcast and pretty much every time the person I'm talking to will say, oh, you listen to that podcast? Yeah, man, I love that podcast. But you know, you know what I really hate about that podcast? Do you know what I hate about that host? This, this drives me freaking crazy. This one thing that this person does, it drives me nuts. And the thing that I realized and the thing that started to really bugged the crap out of me was that we would talk about the same podcasts, the same hosts, and the same one thing that we just can't stand about that podcast. And uh, I'm not the smartest tool in the shed, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but... Uh, do you understand why I'm laughing? Because smartest tool in the shed doesn't make any sense. Um, That's kind of like something Michael Scott would say. Uh, And I'm not the smartest tool in the shed, but I'm smart enough to have this conversation 15 times and realize that as as much as my podcast has grown in popularity and been, uh, you know, 
this amazing thing and I'm so grateful to have all these listeners and I know it's made a difference in people's lives and blah, 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 blah. This sneaking little voice in the back of my head is saying, hey, Andy, if these podcasts that have millions of listeners and all these fans and every every fan you talk to about these podcasts has the exact same complaint the uh your podcast is probably not the exception aka there's things about you Andy that people really hate what do you think about that buddy I'll tell you what I think about it. It makes me sick to my stomach. And uh, at first I was thinking, gosh, I got to find out what these things are about. And I'm not talking about, you know, little style choices, little things you could do slightly different. I'm talking about fundamental DNA, like things about who I am that are just going to be annoying to people. And I don't know if there is a person on this planet that doesn't have those things. Okay, I really want to explain this to you because it was a big uh, revelation for me. Here's what happened. I started to think a lot about how am I going to figure out what I'm doing that is driving everybody nuts that everyone knows but me so that I can quit doing that thing and hide it from people. And that, you know, subconsciously, that's kind of what I'm thinking And uh, I'm asking people about it and I'm kind of having this conversation and I'm not really asking them directly to tell me what annoys them about me, uh, but I'm kind of trying to get to the bottom of this. And uh, through these conversations, I realize this, that when I was having these conversations, I was focusing on the wrong thing. I was focusing on the fact that These people, these successful podcast hosts, uh, I was focusing on the fact that they have these imperfections and these big flaws that everyone uh, knows about and talks about uh, instead of focusing on the fact that we're all talking about the same people, the same podcasts, meaning... I was focused on the fact that they have these flaws, not on the fact that they have these giant, massive, successful podcasts. And that maybe the bigger takeaway isn't to figure out what my problems are and hide them, but maybe realize that the most successful podcasts, the most successful creatives out there are the ones that show us their flaws. <laughs> They're the ones that share their mess. They're the ones that let themselves be seen. And maybe it's the fact that we're, those flaws are so glaringly obvious, <laughs> obvious and uh, that, they're, that they're willing to show us the whole thing warts and all that is their superpower and uh, and even as I'm saying it right now it's jazzing me I'm feeling the feelings and so I encourage you let go of being impressive 
let go of looking flawless, let go of uh, being worshipped, show your flaws, go for authenticity over originality, go for, uh, instead of a perfectly crafted personal brand, how about a brand that is flawed but deeply personal instead of trying to wow everybody with your one man band how about create some chemistry from a small group of people that then creates a chemistry with an audience and so I wanted to do this episode where you could hear all the mistakes, all the junk, all of my uh, redos and retakes live in action because I want to be the type of creative person that shows my flaws because maybe, just maybe, that will be not my undoing or my downfall but the secret to my success. So, uh, I have a little bit of homework for you and, uh, here it is. It's called hashtag CPT guilty pleasures. And, uh, this came from this week on the way home. I was feeling all these feelings about my imperfections and uh, I decided to share on my Instagram stories that I was enjoying a giant uh, monster energy drink on the way home. And the truth is, guys, this is confession time. From time to time, not all the time, not every day, once a month, maybe, (laughs) when I go on a road trip, I like to enjoy a giant, nasty, battery acid, uh, (laughs) highly caffeinated energy drink, often a low-calorie monster energy drink. (laughs) It's so off-brand in a way. It's so ridiculous. I don't have friends that do the same, and it's shameful in many ways, I think. And here's the thing. You might think that that is the nastiest, most gross thing in the world. And guess what? I agree with you. The difference is I do it anyway. And to me, I shared it because I thought I want to show the flaws. I want to show how, I want to show my ridiculousness, my weirdness, my my badness, uh, partially because I want to people that feel the same way to relate and then also people that feel the opposite way to uh, to know where I stand. You know, uh, one other conversation I was having with my buddy Jeremy was that, and we talked, he's a talker, I'm a talker and he knows three languages by the way. English is his third language and he is extremely articulate. We were talking, talking about all kinds of crazy stuff. We probably talked for 45 hours over the past 10 days. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, we talked about how... Um, how we both like when we know where people stand on things and with us. And that often we can even have a deep connection with people that deeply agree with us if we just know where they stand. And so whether you stand for Monster Energy drinks or against them, uh, please stand with me. And and for me, you know, I it's also part of my story because to me a Monster Energy drink is progress. 
you know, I grew up in, uh, I, I grew up with a dad who is really wealthy at this point, but came from poverty. Uh, my mom came from poverty and my mom, uh, has all kinds of the trappings of that stuff in her life in real time. And when I would stay with her, it would be right in my face and real. And then I'd go to my dad's house and it wouldn't be there, but then I'd go to my dad's extended family and see all kinds of crazy things. And, um, and so for me, you know, I didn't grow up in the security of, um, you know, a stable middle-class environment. It was kind of chaotic in all kinds of ways. And I witnessed a lot of things and I was influenced by a lot of things. And, um, and then I have ADHD. That means that I never want to be bored. I consume stuff all the time. I want to be constantly in action and pleasure and fun and excitement. And, and that all led to the fact like at, at 18, I was doing drugs all the time. I was, uh, smoking up to two packs from one to two packs of cigarettes a day. Uh, I was probably 70 pounds overweight, um, eating tons of food nonstop, uh, drinking tons of caffeine. Like, <clears throat> and so to me, I love enjoying a monster energy drink because it's progress. I like to think back to 18 year old Andy and say, this is one of my last vices. This and maybe eating too many Altoids. Um, <laughs> And to me, this kind of quirky weirdness is a badge of honor from where I came from. And so I don't know how you feel about all that stuff. And frankly, I don't care. Even if it makes you disgusted by me, maybe that'll just be um, more mess to to add to the equation. But <clears throat> here's what I want you to do. You don't have to tell people about your monster energy drink thing, but I'm going to encourage you to share some guilty pleasures. And I like guilty pleasures because I think they get to the heart of this whole thing that we're doing here. Uh, you know, it's, it's, they're funny, but they're personal and they're messy and they're highlighting something about you that you shouldn't be proud of. And, uh, and I think it starts to help you get away from a perfectly crafted personal brand to a deeply personal brand. And, um, and I think that'll help maybe move that. So you can just share something on, on uh, social media, on Instagram with that hashtag CPT guilty pleasures, or you can even create some artwork around this. And actually I came up with that idea all by myself, but I do vaguely remember um, my friend Lauren Hom doing some a lettering project, um, or or giving some uh, assignments to her online class around that topic. Um, so hi Lauren, if you're listening. But uh, anyway, make some guilty pr pleasure artwork. Get some of that stuff out there. You know, one of the first chips to fall in in the falling down of my uh, perfectly constructed personal brand and transition to my deeply personal brand was uh, I did a talk four years ago at Icon Portland and uh, <clears throat> and one, and it was and I it was the kaleidoscope talk I'd submitted a talk and I got six minutes to do my thing and uh, and I decided I was going to try to fit, jam as much possible jazz into those six minutes as possible and I created a talk called the 17 secret herbs and spices of illustration and uh, I think like point 12 was uh, listen to tons of boys to men. And I just said, look, 
that's not actually a secret to good illustration. It's not a tip at all. It's actually more of a confession. I just want to let you know, I just need to publicly announce um, and quit hiding my Spotify playlist from my Facebook friends and going on private mode and, and croon into I'll make love to you um, on a weekly basis. I just need to get it out there in the open because I'm living a lie with the Indie Rock coloring book when actually uh, Mike, Michael, Nathan, Wanye, and Sean are much more uh, deeply embedded within my musical roots. And, uh, that, and I remember how good it felt, how ridiculous it felt, how truthful and honest it felt. And I feel like that started um, me down the path of sharing my pizza obsession and, and doing all these things that I know that my heroes, um, or no, that I felt like maybe my heroes would roll their eyes at you know, my creative heroes that I was so impressed by. But honestly, that's where it started to get interesting. Um, and everything started to change. So there you go. CPT. Hashtag CPT guilty pleasures. I'm looking forward to I'm going to be following that hashtag and, and checking things out. And, and by the way, congrats to all you uh, 100-day project people. Congrats to everyone that participated. Massive congrats to those of you that did 100 out of 100 days. That is freaking amazing. And you won't, you're not going to know for years how insanely important that was to your creative career path. And I am so freaking proud of you. And I went through a bunch of the 100-day projects. We had like <clears throat> almost 19,000 posts uh, with with CPT 100 day and uh, I went through a bunch of posts and and was checking out your stuff and, and commenting and liking and encouraging you guys and I was so uh, inspired by all these great projects so way to go so <clears throat> there you go another episode in the bank a weird episode in the bank and uh, let me take another little swig of coffee real quick Um, thanks for listening. Uh, there's a, if you're a fan of the show, it's done something for you. There's a bunch of ways, um, to give back, uh, before I go into that little spiel, um, <clears throat> let me just say, you know, I hope that this, I, I hope I never come across as a know-it-all. I hope I don't come across, I mean, I'm a messy man. It's clear, you know, even if I, I think that one of the things that makes me so self-conscious and, and so, uh, you know, have imposter syndrome from time to time or have um, ang ang social anxiety or whatever is that I'm so keenly aware of my lacking of my flaws. You know, I, I know that I'm maybe proficient or talented in a few small areas, but then severely lacking in a bunch of other ones. And uh, when you feel that way, you're even more inclined to try to fake it. And, uh, and, and so, <clears throat> so even though everyone I talk to always says, I, I never get the impression that you think you know everything because you're such a mess, basically, <laughs> in a joking, loving way. But because I'm so all over the place and crazy and, and nothing I do is ever perfectly crafted. But um, I hope you can, I hope you know that uh, I love sharing the things that have worked for me. I love sharing uh, things that I see working for other people and in my own life and, and, and giving you tips and tricks on how to stack the deck in your favor to succeed as a creative person. Um, but, uh, but, you know, there are plenty of ways to have a creative career. 
And I hope that um, you just take them as suggestions that can help you. And, and when they don't help you, do your own thing. And I'm into that and I'm for that. And, you know, you know, I think sometimes I'm so passionate that it sometimes comes across like I think there's only one right way to do things. And I definitely don't think that. Anyway, I just want you to know. <sighs> okay. If you guys like the show, if you want to give back, you can review the show on iTunes. That you know, lots and lots of listeners listen on iTunes or through the podcast app. Um, and the way that a lot of these people found it is because listeners reviewed the show. We have a really um, high number of reviews for our show because we have so many. You know, the fans I think of this show, the creative pep heronies, uh, are we have deep connection with each other and when I love meeting you I love talking to you I love encouraging you guys you know in person and you guys mean a ton to me and you guys come out because you guys show up and review the show on iTunes more people can find it so thank you to those that already have and uh, I encourage you if you've never have to do so because uh, it really means more people hearing this and more people um, building thriving creative careers so you can review the show on iTunes. You can back the show at patreon.com slash creative pep talk. Uh, creative pep talk on, on Patreon. I, I'm so grateful for all you patrons who make this show happen. Uh, you help me do it guilt-free. Uh, and, and guilt-free, spend tons of time every week trying to make the best possible show I can. Um, so you can do that. Or you can get some merch. You can get a, uh, you know, a sketchbook or a... Um, a poster or a pin at creativepeptalk.com slash shop. You can also get access to the first 100 episodes, the real messy episodes, uh, by signing up to the newsletter at creativepeptalk.com. Think about signing up to the newsletter if you don't. If you're a big fan of the show, um, it means that you just get an... I don't spam you like crazy. I'm telling you this. I send you an email every week as soon as the episode is live with a link so you never miss an episode. And then maybe I let you know... Um, you know, four times a year, something like that, when we have something really special happening that I don't want you to miss. That's it. I'm not going to spam you every day. I'm not doing that. I'm not like a crazy um, uh, mailing list marketer guy. Um, so there you go. That's what you can do. Thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music. Thanks to Nate Utesh and the band Metavari for all the other tunes. Uh, well, not all the other tunes. There's also some tunes by my dude, Alex Sugg, um, Suggy Buggy. That's what I call him. I don't think he likes it, but he's a good man, so he, he still edits my podcast for me. Thanks for doing that. Thanks to all you guys. And uh, until we speak again, stay pepped up.